Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. Right, so uh, I'm excited this evening like I said, to have uh, Ben with us. So um, CCM is uh, part of a, a much bigger group of churches called New Frontiers. Uh, and um, Ben uh, is the pastor of the New Frontiers Church in London. And uh, I, I, I've never actually physically met Ben, at least not that I can remember. Uh, and, um, but I've read his book. And uh, as I said at the beginning, uh, it just had a, a profound effect on me and I, I've been recommending it to numbers of different people uh, and people have, uh, we've just had conversations about it and found it very provocative and very helpful indeed. Actually, um, uh, uh, the book is, uh, um, we need to talk about race. Uh, and uh, actually I found it a very positive book, very affirming in lots of different ways. It's really a real challenge too. So uh, it's really good to have you with us, Ben. Uh, I'm gonna hand over to you to speak now, but if you wanna introduce yourself a little bit as well, um, yeah. Great. Thanks, man. Thank you for having me. Um, hello, Christchurch, Manchester. Yes, I am in my car. Um, this is probably the safest space because I have three children and nobody wants them all running in and interrupting and all that type of stuff. So it's, this is the safest space. I'm on the hill, so anything could happen, but we're, we're okay. Um, my name is Ben Lindsay. I am one of the pastors at Emmanuel Church London. Um, I am CEO of a charity called Power to Fight, which empowers communities to end youth violence. And yes, I have written a book called We Need to Talk About Race, Understanding the Black Experience in White Majority Churches, the longest title of a book you'll find. Um, but yeah, and it's a real privilege to be here. This is actually my first sermon I've done um, on Zoom. I've done many training in the last kind of like couple of weeks. So this, this, is, this, is, a, this is new, so it's just, it'd be fun. Um, and what I want to talk about today is knowing your calling. Um, I think in this time of COVID and coronavirus and lockdown, understanding and knowing our calling, I think can actually get a little bit confused and blurred for many of us. We were like, okay, I know what we're doing. I've got my plans for the year. I know what's happening. And then coronavirus kicks in. Hey, we're just in this situation where we don't know what the future is going to hold. Um, about, I'd say, maybe uh, a couple of years ago, um, my, my daughter, well, my son, actually, he started playing football. And my daughter, who at the time was like three, wanted to really uh, follow him and do some type of activity on, on a Sunday. Because um, we meet in the, in, the, in the afternoon, so we want to do something on Sunday morning with my daughter. So she said she wants to do ballet. So we're like, okay, cool, no problem. We'll, we'll find like a ballet class. And um, we, we get to the ballet class and the, the teacher, very much, uh, very excited, very excitable as you expect, uh, with all the other little girls uh, and said to them basically, right, today we're going to all be princesses. At which point my, my daughter turned around and said, I don't want to be a princess, I want to be Batman. So I, I, my, me and my wife and I were just like, oh my goodness, this is amazing, you know, don't you understand the stereotypes here? And I think there might be a picture of um, my children who, uh, who are uh, dressed as superheroes. But the, 
the point is, there is something about there they are. Yes, there they are. Um, I have three kids now. I have, always have to mention the third one just in case they ever see this. And he's like, what about me? But yeah, they're, they're the two kids and they're looking like superheroes. But one of the things which I realised at that moment very, very quickly was that there was a, there's a difference between what you want to be. So my, my daughter wanted to be Batman. Um, her current situation um, was actually she was being called a princess. Um, and, but actually, what is she going to be? What is she called to be? Well, well, God knows. It can be a bit confusing. Maybe some of us might not want to necessarily be superheroes, but there may well be a bit of confusion about what we are called to be. Fortunately, God is a lot clearer on, on the whole situation and says this in Jeremiah 29, verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. That's some of the most famous verses in the Bible, and it's quite comforting to know. But the question is, how does God's calling and plans actually play out in our lives in reality? Well, I want to read um, part of uh, the book of Judges around a guy called Gideon, one of my favourite characters in the Bible. And um, I just want to read this and then we'll have a bit of a conversation about how actually uh, the processes, what God uses, what processes God uses to help work out and prepare our calling, our purpose and our destiny. So it's come up on the screen which is great, and I'll just read this very quickly. And Israel was brought very low because of Midian, and the people of Israel cried out for help to the Lord. When the people of Israel cried out to the Lord on account of the Midianites, the Lord sent a prophet to the people of Israel, and he said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I led you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of slavery and I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. And I said to you, I am the Lord, your God. You shall not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. Now, the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Oprah, which belonged to Joash the Azurites, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, sir, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you. And he said to him, please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I'm the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, but I will be with you and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. Um, I'm just going to pray and then we're going to see what God's got to say to us from these wonderful verses. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that no matter what is going on around us, no matter uh, what mountains are, are falling around us, what situation we're in, uh, whatever COVID-19 is, is impacting or how it's impacting us, we know that we can trust you and that you still have plans for our lives. 
And I just pray right now as we just delve into your word, that you encourage us, you, you bring your light, you help me, Holy Spirit, to communicate your word with, with power, strength, in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so what can we learn from, from what we've just read around Gideon? Well, it's really important just to be really clear that what we have here with Gideon, what we've just heard about his life, is that he's nothing special. Um, his circumstances are very painful. Gideon is very fearful and he's doing a mundane job. Now, I don't know any of you, and fortunately, I can't see any of you. So, you know, the, the, the likelihood is that some of you, maybe all of you, might be able to relate to some of the things what Gideon's been described as here. And to be fair, in this particular time we're in, most of us might not feel particularly special. Our circumstances might be painful and we may well be fearful. It's maybe what Gideon's going through sounds a bit familiar. Yet, here's the most important point here. Yet, amongst all of that, God has called him to something greater, something bigger than he can possibly imagine. And I suppose the key message for us today, even in this current circumstances, no matter your life stage or your circumstances, know that God, God has a plan for your life, even in lockdown, even when you're self-isolated. God has a plan for your life. So, like all good pastors and all good preachers, I have a three-point sermon. And there's three things that I want us to just look at what, uh, in the life of Gideon to help us kind of understand our calling. So the first point is this. The first lesson from Gideon's story is this. We are to embrace our environment. We are to embrace our environment. Now, in the current circumstances we're in with COVID-19, this is possibly trickier than we've ever experienced. And I suppose I've put people um, into two categories in this current time we're living in with coronavirus. I mean, we are either inconvenienced or we're suffering. And wherever you fit in, in one of those two cat, cat, categories, um, I'm, I'm convinced and I'm confident that God will still do his work through you in these particular times, whether you're being inconvenienced at the moment or you're actually suffering. Gideon's environment. What we've heard is that Israel is suffering. There is oppression. There's exploitation. There's injustice. There is fear. There is suffering at the hands of the Midianites. And as I said, this is something which I think maybe we can all relate to. And this is something which is not that different to what we have seen today. If you look at, um, I've just got some slides or some headlines. Actually, these are headlines from 2019. What you will see with these headlines is that you will see that there are this fear. There's, there's things around uh, homelessness. There's stuff around uh, our environment there's things around um i'm just remembering myself there's, there's blood on the streets we're talking about youth violence uh there is things all manner of issues which are going on climate change stuff which is going on in our communities um and stuff which is going on in our society which actually can look like and mimic very much what we have seen in gideon's time where there is suffering and there's injustice gideon is a product of his environment and so are we. God's call is very specific to what Gideon sees day to day and should have an impact on our lives. It had an impact on his life 
and what we ever see, whatever we see around our communities in our, in our society should have an impact. So the things that you see in your life, in your community, breaking your heart are the clues and the pieces of a puzzle, a window into the heart of God on your calling, your purpose, and your destiny. See, the beautiful thing is, is that God is all about the detail. And very much like Jesus, you were born for such a time as this, in a very specific culture, in a very specific environment, for a particular context and particular reason. It's not an accident. It is not an accident that you were born at this particular point in this environment with these issues, even if it is suffering and oppression we're seeing around us. We are to really understand that what breaks our heart breaks God's heart as well. And we are to wrestle and embrace this through prayer. My own experience very much is like this. I, I grew up in, in South East London and there were some very significant moments. Some of the stuff I talk about in my book, which has shaped me today. Um, I remember growing up uh, and my mum being very uh, aware of some of the issues which were going on around the world, particularly around apartheid in South Africa and with Nelson Mandela. I remember her taking me on marches when I was a very young kid. It formulated a lot of my thinking around injustice around the world. Um, she was a single parent as well. Again, that is something which um, has impacted me, not in a, always in a negative way, but growing up, it showed me some stuff around uh, other families and families uh, units, which maybe isn't necessarily the traditional ways that we look at the family. Stephen Lawrence, some of you may know um, Stephen Lawrence, a young black man who was murdered in southeast London after a racist attack, was one of the things which influenced me and saw uh, me and my friends really kind of challenged and changed around racism in the most horrible and brutal way. These are just a few significant moments that were in my environment growing up. When I became a Christian, suddenly all these things uh, meant more. Because the question really was, Lord, how are you going to impact these, this, this type of injustice? What can I do to be part of that solution? And therefore, it's not a complete surprise that I end up writing a book on race, or I end up becoming a pastor, or I end up launching a charity, particularly around youth violence. A lot of the things which I saw growing up plays into my adult life. God, through your past or your present, is specifically showing you his heart. And this is a, call, a clue to your calling. And we're not to dismiss it. We're not to ignore it. It's not an accident. And what we see here is Gideon really wrestling, really wrestling and praying and embracing his environment. And we are to do the same and not to ignore it. Point two, second lesson from Gideon's story, know your identity, know your true identity. Judges 6, 11 to 12 says this, Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now this is, this is hilarious really when you think about it. He was, he was hiding. Effectively what Gideon was doing, he was scared and he was hiding. And so to, it's, it's crazy kind of like juxtaposition of you are a mighty warrior, but you're afraid. It's a bit like, I suppose, when, I don't know, some members of my family should remain nameless, watch X Factor, and suddenly turn around and say, oh, yeah, you know what, I'm, maybe I'm going to uh, apply for X Factor next year. 
You're like, really? Mm, kind of heard you sing. Not kind of sure. I'm saying this in my mind, obviously, and not necessarily vocalising it. Um, or, you know, sometimes, you know, one thing that we've seen around COVID and, and coronavirus, in fact, I can see someone now, runners. There's lots of people who suddenly become runners. And a lot of people suddenly say, I'm going to do a half marathon, I'm going to do a marathon, even though they've only just started doing 1K. You're like, slow down, take your time. You know, maybe you'll get there. But there's this kind of like the reality and the, and the kind of dream thing going on. This is what we see with Gideon. Hold on. God's calling you a mighty man of valor, but you're hiding and you're scared. But what we've got to understand is that God said it. He said mighty warrior. You see, your calling requires you to hear God's voice over others. We are to embrace our true identity. So, for example, let's take um, the, la the latest or the last royal wedding we had, Harry and Meghan. Um, we all love a, a royal wedding. Um, I particularly really enjoyed this uh, wedding because it was just very different to anything else I've ever seen before in my life. We had an American mixed race divorcee from a single parent family marrying into royalty. It was not your classic journey, not an obvious choice, not your typical princess. And while we're aware that there's been some definitely back and forth and some issues around whether she's royalty or whether she's not and what's going on now and has left the country, I'm not really here to talk about that. But what I do want to just say is, is, is an illustration, as an example, is that actually whatever we think about that, her identity is still royalty. Her last name is still Windsor. You can't quite take that away. Even in the Queen's statement, she said that, you know, Harry and Meghan and, and their son will always be, they'll always be family. Whether she's a major royal or minor royal, who cares? Really, ultimately, her last name is, is Windsor. Her identity is still royalty. And it is absolutely the same with us. God calls us a royal priesthood. Now, again, I can't see you. But I guarantee, unless Tim's hiding something from me, I'm not sure there's any royalty in your congregation. Maybe there is. But it doesn't matter whether I think you look royal, whether you are royal or not. What God says is that you are a royal priesthood. That's your identity. In the same way, when God says, oh, mighty man of valor, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. It doesn't even matter what he thinks. This is, this is God saying, this is what you are. It's not a classic journey. It's not an obvious choice for Gideon. He's the weakest in his clan. It doesn't make any sense, but this is the identity God has bestowed upon him. The, the monk, the writer, the theologian, the mystic, the poet, the social activist, Thomas Merton said this, the less we are mesmerized by human voices, the more we are able to hear the divine voice. You see, when God speaks, we are to listen to his voice above anybody else's voice. Rather, than the powerful voices of the culture, the media, marketing, or even maybe some of the negative labels from the past or present you may have got from friends or family. I really feel strongly today that God is just saying, shake those titles off, shake those labels off. It's not what I think of you. And that's the most important. God today wants to remind us 
the one who made us wants to cement your identity in him. Let me just remind you very quickly what God thinks about you. This is what he says. He says this about you. I am the creator and you are my creation. I breathed into your nostrils the breath of life. I created you in my own image. My eyes saw your unformed substance. I knit you together in your mother's womb. I know the number of hairs on your head and before a word is on your tongue, I know it. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are more valuable than many sparrows. I've given you dominion over all sheep and oxen and all beasts of the field and birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea. I've crowned you with glory and honor as the pinnacle and final acts of the six days of creation. This is what your, your, your father in heaven thinks about you. This is something you need to be almost like every morning reading and reminding ourselves, wow, this is my identity. This is what God thinks about me. God wants to introduce you or, or remind you of your true identity. And that your identity is intrinsically linked to your calling, your purpose, and your destiny. On your journey to working out your calling, remember, God sees what you can't see. He sees around corners. He sees the best version of yourself. And we are to amplify, magnify that truth. You are to turn down the lies of the culture and the market and our even family history at times and the media and, and crank up, crank up full blast, full volume, these words from scripture. Because that's your truth. That's your true identity. Third and final point from lessons from Gideon's stories. We are to embrace our circumstances. We are to embrace our circumstances. We learn that Gideon is called to be the answer to his circumstances. Judges 6.14 says this, go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do I not send you? And this is what, if there's anything you learn from this particular part is this, your calling is always greater than you. Your calling is always greater than you. But guess what? That's okay, because then God says, but I will be with you. This is trust. We've got to learn to trust God. And you know what? What annoys me is that there's, if there's one thing that annoys me, there's, there's many things that annoy me, but definitely the thing which really winds me up in the Bible is this lie. There's a lie which people uh, talk about around Scripture. Um, it, this is this is lie which people even say it's from Scripture, and I'm just not convinced it's there. In fact, I know it's not there. And are you ready for it? Are you ready for the biggest lie which people will, will add to scripture and talk about it around the Bible? There we go. It's this. Ready? God will never give you more than you can handle. Yeah? We always hear that. God will never give you more than you can handle. It doesn't actually say that in the Bible. It says this in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. That's what it says. But this idea that God will never give you more than you can handle, I'm not sure where we're getting that from. The truth is this. God regularly gives you situations that are beyond you. Some of you might be looking at situations. I don't know how COVID-19 
has impacted you. Maybe it's impacted your family. Maybe you're, maybe you're ill yourself. Maybe you've lost a loved one. Maybe you've lost a job. This stuff is tough. This stuff is beyond you. But you know why we go through this stuff? So it forces us to rely on him. It forces us on our knees. It forces us to surrender. It forces us to trust him, to know him, to ask for help. That's why we go through stuff. And if you're looking at me thinking, well, you know, I'm still not sure. All we have to do is look at the Bible. When we think of someone like Moses at 80 years old, and God says to him, go and take on Pharaoh, the, the, the political superpower of the, of the age. I think that might have been beyond Moses. But in God, he was able to set the Hebrews free. And let's take David and the famous story of David and Goliath. I think young David, growing up a big, against a big giant like Goliath, a big warrior, was beyond him. With the power of God, it was possible for him to defeat him. Esther, this young Jewish girl who becomes a queen, and all the pressure which was on her, I think that's beyond her, but in the power of God, she was able to, to reign and help Mordecai and the, and the Jewish people stop from being annihilated. Mary, okay, cool, Mary, just you know, give birth to the, to the son of God. Again, beyond her, but the power of God enabled her to do that. And let's take Peter, for example. Everyone loves Peter in a, in a sermon illustration. We can all relate to Peter. What did God say to Peter? You know, I'm going to build my church upon this rock, even though Peter denied him three times and was pretty much a bit of a donkey throughout. But yet he was, then went on to be one of the pioneers of the early church. We're in good company. I never thought I would be able to write a book. I never thought I'd be able to launch a charity around youth violence. But this is what God does when you trust him. You go beyond yourself. The key point is this. Your calling is always beyond you. Gideon sees a disconnect between his calling and his present circumstances. And these are the two mistakes, very quickly, two mistakes we make. The first mistake is this. We see our troubles as evidence that God has left us instead of asking how God is working through our troubles for our good and his glory. That's the first mistake. Where's God? Where's God? When it all gets really bad. The second mistake we make is this. We, often, we are often waiting for God to do something to us or for us. We wonder why he doesn't use someone to bring help. We say, Lord, remove the problem, which is not a wrong thing to say but maybe we should also say Lord please help me to be the person who can either endure the problem or help me to be the person to rise up to tackle the problem my wife is a very wise person and sometimes when we're praying uh, she has been known to just stop me and say you know what Ben that's, that's, that's a great prayer but maybe you could be the answer to that prayer. That means it's not that we shouldn't be praying, but maybe you could be the actual answer to that prayer. Maybe that's something we should be considering. The next slide will give us some incredible examples of mighty men and women of valor whose circumstances were not brilliant to start off with. Many of them you will know. Nelson Mandela, 
prisoner of South Africa in, in South Africa apartheid time. Martin Luther King, civil rights activist. Emmeline Pankhurst, women's rights activist. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, went up against the Nazis. Doreen Lawrence, uh, mother of Stephen Lawrence, who I mentioned earlier on. Malia Yosefazai, a Pakistani activist for female education and the youngest Nobel Prize winner who almost died prior to this. All these women and men are mighty men and women of valor, but they found themselves in challenging situations that led to a greater purpose. Now, just to be clear, I'm not saying that everybody then therefore should be thinking, oh, I'm going to be a martyr, or I'm going to be a, a world leader. It's not that. But these are, this can be us on a macro or micro level. We are to look at our circumstances and wonder how actually God can make a difference. Genesis 50 verse 20 is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. These verses mean so much to me because there were times in my life, in fact, when I was 14, I almost died in a racist attack in Southeast London. And I would never have thought that actually that incident was, would be the catalyst or one of the catalysts for me to write a book. 25 years later. See, the tasks, the duties, the assignments and the missions that we are currently called to can be a clue to our greater purpose, no matter how hard or how challenging or horrific they are. We are to remember that God says, but I will be there with you. God never leaves us, especially in the tough moments in our lives. If you are suffering at the moment, more than being inconvenienced, if you are suffering because of COVID-19 right now, God has not left you. He has not left you. But one of my favourite, favourite quotes from a hero of mine, Martin Luther King, he said this, the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in the moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. The ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in the moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. You see, when it comes to challenge and controversy, this is where the best preparation for our calling happens. Comfort and convenience, well, that can stall and stunt God's plan. If you're going through hardship now, God has not left you. He's doing a work in you. So verse 14. Go in this might of yours. Go in this might of yours and challenge injustice. Go in this might of yours and raise godly children. Go in this light of yours and be the light in your community. Go in this light of yours and show love in the face of hate because God is with you. It's all preparation for your calling, your destiny and your purpose. Trust God over your own abilities to get through the most challenging times but I will be there with you. So to land, we really shouldn't be surprised to see the call of God on ourselves and in others. This is what the whole Bible has been built on, using people who are weak to, to, to shame the strong. This is the whole story of Jesus. He wasn't born in a palace. He didn't come as a mighty warrior like people expected. He was born in a manger, Palm Sunday, 
came in on as a donkey. He died a criminal's death. Yet, the cornerstone, the saviour of the world, King Jesus, the reason why we can praise his name, the reason why we have salvation, the reason why we'll have eternal life, King Jesus, not much to look at. He's the greatest example, our greatest example. He drank the cup of wrath. He saved us from our sin. He has been there. He's seen it all. This is our hero. This is who we look to. So here's a question for you. The poet Mary Oliver said this. Tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? Mary Oliver said this. Today, God is asking you the same question. Even in lockdown, even in social isolation, some of you will need to, to take this time as rest and reflection. In fact, we all need to do it. But ask yourself that question. Tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? For some of us now, how we respond to this, you might be struggling to see your calling because you're struggling to embrace your environment. You might be struggling to know your true identity. You might be struggling to embrace your circumstances. Whatever it is, God wants you as you are and he has major plans for you no matter what. I'm just going to pray and then I'm going to close and I'm going to hand over to uh, Tim. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that no matter what our circumstances are, no matter what our environment are, is, no matter what we've gone through, you don't change, Lord. You do not change. You're still our rock. You're still our steadfast love. Your son was still sent to die for us, for our salvation. You're still the forgiving father. Lord, please remind us of who we are. We are royal priests in you. And where we are still trying to search for our identity, anyone who's got hard times, going through hard times right about now, Holy Spirit, get close to them and remind them of how wonderful and how true you are. Remind us that you love us and that there is a major plan for our lives. In your mighty name, amen.